Welcome to the 49er Access Podcast. My name is Sterling Bennett, and this is episode number 30. Yes, 30 episodes in to the podcast, and today is our free agency special, and I could not be more excited for our guest today. Joining us today, he's the NFL and 49er insider for the San Jose Mercury News, the East Bay Times, and I'm sure you heard his wonderful voice on 95.7 The Game. It's the always informed Cam Inman. Cam, thank you for joining us today. We hope all is good in the realm of Cam as we are officially in full swing of NFL free agency. I know before you came on, Diana Rossini put out a report and has NFL Twitter going crazy that the Niners are all hands on deck for Trent Williams. And I think that would be the best place to start today's show. Uh, first, Cam, I, I want to know how are you doing in the midst of COVID-19 and NFL free agency? Yeah, doing great. I wish somebody was uh, all hands on deck trying to sign me to a $20 million a year deal plus that. So, uh, you know, it, it's the Niners have approached free agency. I, I like it's been prudent so far. Um, they've re-signed Juszczyk and Barrett, and then you're just hopefully they get Trent Williams taken care of. Um, but I think more importantly, they haven't gone out and, you know, thrown like $15 million a year at a uh, defensive lineman who has an injury history, uh, you know, maybe done something silly with a quarterback so far, but um, so far I like the approach. I think they'll, and you know, the signings can't start until tomorrow, until Wednesday. So um, th- there's always room for everybody to go bonkers besides the Patriots. Well, tomorrow, the beginning of the new year for the NFL, that being the reason why uh, the deals can't become official, but uh, where we stand as of right now at noon, 12.03 and March 16th, uh, we, we've heard the Colts, the Chiefs, even the Bears are somewhat interested in Trent Williams, and it seems like the Niners have somewhat learned, although probably due to their uh, limited amount of cap space, they can't go out and sign maybe an injury-prone uh, defensive end, although Samson Ibukam did sign yesterday or unofficially signed. But when it comes to Trent Williams re-signing with the San Francisco 49ers. Where do those talks currently stand? Uh, you'd have to ask Trent Williams and the 49ers that, but from what I understand, you know, they're probably going to have to make an offer that's over $20 million a year. Like, you put it this way. You just kind of look at the math and the landscape of the NFL, and if the top offensive tackles are making, say, $23 million a year, and Trent Williams is not a guy that's in his 20s, uh, but he has multiple Pro Bowls and he's uh, wants to play about another six years. So maybe you don't give him top, top price, but I think it's got to be something very close to it. So uh, if you're stuck at 20 million because you're trying to see if that's if he'll take some type of a compromise, not necessarily a hometown discount, but a compromise that keeps him in a system with people he likes, I, you can keep hoping for that. But at the same time, there are teams out there and I don't like those other teams fits for him. I, I think why would he go to Chicago unless Deshaun Watson's there waiting for him? Why would he go to Indianapolis to block for Carson Wentz's comeback and play on artificial turf? Um, I think that they're, the Colts are a pretty decent team. The Colts and the bears are defensive oriented teams. Um, the chiefs made a little bit of sense until they threw so much money at Joe Thune as a guard where I don't think they can afford Trent Williams now. Um, I think that would have been extremely appealing to go play for a, uh, a team like that. But I think Trent is also an NFC guy. Maybe there's something comfortable with that aspect. And 
Uh, I think the 49ers um, are so appealing to him for a lot of reasons that he does come back. Do you think the large amount of possible uh, NFL draft prospects at tackle has maybe not slimmed down Trent Williams' market, but made teams wary of giving him a $24 million contract to give him top money on the market? I think what would scare teams off from that is probably more of just the age factor. And um, like you said, you could go a little bit younger. It's not like there's five great offensive tackles in the draft. Uh, From what what we've been hearing, there's two really good offensive tackles, kid from Northwestern, kid from Oregon. Call them kids. These guys are you and me. Their weight combined, right? And they're going to be multimillionaires. But um, that is an option. I mean, they they could have done it last year by bringing in a young offensive tackle, but they knew they could try out Trent for a year, see how it works. And it worked great. I mean, he he played at a Pro Bowl level. He was not perfect. I kind of like enjoyed seeing somebody, um, I think it was Ross Tucker a week or two ago, uh, was critical of why you would not want to pay Trent Williams. It was a very contrarian point of view. Uh, because all we hear otherwise is, hey, he's Pro Bowl, he's great, he's perfect fit for the system, love the coaches. And then he points out, look, he wasn't perfect. He he kind of cost him a game, which he didn't do. There were so many other factors in it. Um, but he is so athletic and such a great um, – I just like his personality as well. I think it jives with everything that the 49ers have going about him. He won the Media Good Guy Award uh, last year, even though none of us have ever met him. <laughs> and uh, – <laughs> That was very interesting. Just and sometimes that's a jinx on guys. And it's like, the, if you look at the history of the media good guy awards, they're usually out the door because they're so blunt and honest. But it wasn't like he was blunt and honest. He was just very um, uh, insightful and sharing about his own personal issues, whether it was his cancer battle or whether it was his COVID nineteen battle um, that he came back from in November to help beat the Rams. Um, and then his play was obviously at a top level too. So when, 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 if it's all hands on deck effort, well, what else should we expect? Damn well better be if he's your number one priority. And um, Kyle Ustek was on Sirius XM NFL radio today saying now that he's signed himself, he, he's a fan and he's a recruiter and he's reaching out to help uh, Shanahan and Lynch uh, lock guys up. And I would assume that means Trent Williams and maybe K1 Williams. Maybe there's another offensive lineman out there. Maybe there's, uh, a couple more cornerbacks that they want to get. Seems like Juszczyk is doing what Derrick Rose didn't do when LeBron was in free agency a few years back uh, when he was leaving Cleveland. But uh, keeping it with Trent Williams, out of the teams we listed, you know, being Kansas City and Colts and Bears, well, I agree with you. I don't love all the fits uh, for Trent Williams in those certain places. But would you consider the Niners to be the favorite to re-sign Trent Williams? Absolutely. They have the money. They have the position. They have the coaching staff. They have the familiarity. Um, I, absolutely, I think it is. Um, if there is a team out there that was going to throw like $25 million a year at him, then they become the favorites. But we haven't heard anything like that, right? Um, is he strictly chasing the money? And I think what he there's got to definitely be a part of that because he made them put a clause in his contract that they could not franchise tag him. Um, I totally understand it, respect it, because he wants to see what he could, uh, what the market would offer him for a guy that's been in the league for 10 years with as many Pro Bowls as he has. Uh, the chance just to see how you're viewed around the league um, and then kind of go back to the 49ers, maybe make them kick in an extra million or two to match it and uh, and stick around. I think I think that would work out best for them. 
So at this moment, it kind of sounds like the Trent will not be guaranteed to go to San Francisco. It's not like an off chance or like a 2%, but it seems like the Niners have a pretty good shot in retaining him. Um, if the Niners were not going to retain him, let's say Trent goes to Indianapolis because they can give him $24 million, do they then shift their focus on drafting one of those top two offensive tackles, or do they then shift to maybe trying to sign a veteran center like Rodney Hudson just became on the market as of 10 minutes ago? Right. The Rodney Hudson thing's fascinating, isn't it? Because the Niners obviously need a center. He's a stud. Uh, I mean, maybe that maybe the Raiders are clearing room for Trent Williams and because uh, they're redoing their whole offensive line and it would keep him at a cool locale in, in Vegas um, on a team that is a contender. They just haven't been able to get over the hump. But um, that's a strange situation down there. Uh, what would they what would the Niners do in terms would they go after one of these offensive tackles? They could. I mean, I don't know how appealing the in-house options are with them. And. I, I floated it out there just, just to not to not to rile people up, but to remind everybody that Mike McGlinchey played left tackle at Notre Dame, um, and the 49ers drafted him out of him doing so. Um, not necessarily he was going to be Joe Staley's uh, uh, heir apparent, but that's kind of how it was looking when he was drafted. Um, he did not play at a left tackle, uh, pass protection-wise dominant situation last year. There was too many gaffes. Um, but I wouldn't write him off. A lot of people have. I mean, he was a great run blocker. Um, this, this offense is predicated towards that. So, I mean, that's an option of swinging Mike back over to that side. You have other tackles. I, I don't know what Sean Coleman offers, so I don't even like going there. He opted out last year, did not play the year before. Um, at best, a swing tackle. Justin School uh, he did not play well last year when he was inserted, but he got eight games in there as a starter, filling in for Staley as a rookie. <laughs> and... Um, He's been working out with Kittle, so that's a plus in his factor, too. Uh, McKivitz is a guy that they were drafted last year, played some guard, uh, mixed results. I don't know if I would trust him at that position either. But there are a few other veteran tackles on the market right now that maybe the Niners can sit back and maybe um, uh, maybe one of those guys really fits their scheme better than I see because I don't, I don't sit there and break down film of offensive tackles uh, around the league like they do. What would losing Trent Williams do to this team? Would it be something, because we've seen them lose a lot of leadership. Sherman's probably gone. Salah is gone. Uh, Kwan uh, uh, Williams could be gone. Quan Alexander was traded. DeForest Buckner was traded. Uh, what would losing, like, what would the impact of Williams be? It obviously could not just be on the field production, right? I think that's more of it. I mean, I, I, I know that Trent came in and was a captain last year, which was great. I mean, it speaks to his credibility and, and his reputation. I don't think it would be as crushing of a loss as a DeForest Buckner was because Buck was a guy that was a homegrown talent uh, that had earned his, his shot out of payday, but he didn't get it from the Niners. I think that really, I, I think that was not a, a good move last year. Um, how would it work with the psyche of the team? Look, they have Kittle back. Right. That's your number one guy on offense. You have Debo and Ayuk back. You've just re-signed Juszczyk. Uh Garoppolo, if he sticks around, you still have your quarterback. So there is a strong consistency thread there. The questions on offense are all about the offensive line right now. Um, from Williams over to center to right guard. Um, and and where, where that line, where that offensive line is going. So um, that him leaving is just like, yep, that affirms that that is a question mark area. So I don't think it would be uh, necessarily crushing to their psyche, especially after last year where they seemed to lose every single star they had and had to try to get by. 
Um, it's just the NFL, the next man up mentality, and uh, they would have to go out and try to replace him. Well, it seems like the Niners have used that next man up mentality all of 2020, knowing what they went through with the injuries. Uh, but the one thing I look at when I see the Trent Williams negotiations and if he's coming back and if he's not is, if he does come back to San Francisco in 2021 and beyond, uh, he does give the Niners some draft day flexibility to possibly take a quarterback in the first round. Now, whether you agree with the need there or the want there are two different things, but how much of the Niners' draft plans hinge on Williams' decision in free agency? I don't necessarily know if it does. Um, because also, I mean, I thought I thought defensive end was a big priority still, but, and, and, they've, and they've made a habit of picking defensive linemen five of the past six years with their top picks. Um, the offensive line, obviously, they, they um, respect it, figuring that they took Mike McGlinchey uh, with their top pick in 2018. Um, but you're right. I mean, if, the, if they can get their hands on a quarterback that Kyle Shanahan fell in love with, um, and, and it's not as obvious as maybe we all think, it, whichever one it could be. You know, Brandon Ayuk was the one he fell in love with last year, and everybody thought it was going to be Ruggs, Judy, or C.D. Lamb, and instead they trade down to get Brandon Ayuk, right? So we, it's hard to predict exactly what is going through his mind, Shanahan's mind, on how he wants to craft that offense. Um, so it is on the table that they go quarterback. It's on the table they go offensive tackle, that they go defensive end. I, when it comes to the draft, I always hesitate and don't think a cornerback is a realistic option. Uh, at number 12, even though there might be a couple really good ones on the board, this, the Niners haven't drafted a pure outside cornerback since Mike Rumpf in 2002. And it's a regime just like the past regime where they want to um, build on their defensive front and that help that translate to whatever guys are in the secondary. And the fact that they just re-signed Jason Brett and they have Emmanuel Mosley, uh, probably got a couple other corners in here to compete that I don't think it's a pressing need to go corner at the top pick either. Well, let's talk about Jason Verrett. You mentioned him and uh, he signed a one-year deal, re-up for one year. And when I saw the, the news that he re-signed, my immediate reaction was, well, we're going to have to do this again next year. And that's not something that uh, I wanted to do with Rhett, but again, I'm not John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan. But what was the thought process on both sides agreeing to what looks like from the outside looking in, another prove-it one-year deal for Rhett? I thought it was great for both of them. I, I, I really do, because Jason showed last year he deserves to be paid pretty well and uh, but there's the injury question so if you put back-to-back -back seasons of being healthy and productive out there he's going to be the one that's getting 20 29 million dollars plus guaranteed next year the way Shaq Griffin just got at leaving Seattle for Jacksonville and the 49ers only have to pay four and a half million to give Verrett another test drive for a year I think it's outstanding for both of them um would the Niners pay that 29 million dollars next year no probably not but um, they're getting a great cornerback uh, back in the fold there that he, and it's not just, um, you know, he made a couple really nice interceptions, but the way he plays aggressively and determined and confidently, um, you know, Akella Witherspoon was a guy that was supposed to be in that spot playing that way. And there would be games where he flashed and there'd be games where he just recoiled and just would lose confidence and, um, you never saw that with Ferret. And when, when he was matched up against DeAndre Hopkins and was just going after the ball in the end zone, he, you know, when I see a cornerback with his back to the ball and he's in the end zone, I just cringe because it's like, oh, the guy's just going to catch it over your head. 
But Verrett timed it so well to knock the ball right out of Hopkins' hands. It's like that's what shows you what a quality cornerback he is. Um, I really like him, and I think a lot of 49er fans do. You know, and uh, it made everybody all of a sudden say, well, Richard Sherman doesn't need to come back here. They can just re-sign Jason Verrett, and that's what they've done so far. Did the lack of secondary depth, knowing Sherman's probably going to play elsewhere uh, this next season and K1 Williams might also not be back, uh, was that maybe a reason why they did uh, I don't want to say pay up, obviously they didn't, but make it a higher incentive-based deal in case Verrett does play out again like he did last year. And uh, how important was it to bring back Verrett knowing they're playing DeAndre Hopkins and DK Metcalf twice every single year? Well, it, the interesting thing is Verrett is not one of the bigger, taller corners, right? That, that everybody says is supposed to be the uh, prototype for this system. Uh, but he plays like it, and he's not going to be backing down from those challenges. So that's the mentality that you want. Um, I was curious just to see if they would go a lot younger at the cornerback position. And I've, I've said, like, you know, in 81, they brought in a, a whole young secondary with Lott and Hicks and uh, Carlton Williamson to match with Dwight, Dwight Hicks. And then, um, and then they did something like that in, what, 2002 or 2001 with uh, Med Plummer and uh, Jason Webster. Maybe that's 2000. Anyhow, um, I was just curious if they would go that way. I, I just think that uh, they don't, they're not going to overpay at that position, obviously, and they didn't. Uh, there's a lot of cornerbacks still on the market. Maybe they still do that and try to get a guy that's out of this initial tier uh, to say, look, uh, the jobs are open. It's no Mosley's no lock to be an outside cornerback. We can play him at nickel with Kwan Williams on the market still. Well, they also brought back Emmanuel Mosley on a two-year deal, but the Niners do need to fill that void left by Kwan Williams at nickel cornerback. We've heard the Jets are possibly interested in him, which makes a lot of sense knowing Salah is now in New York. But are the Niners looking to bring him back still? I've heard there is some connection there that they do want to bring him back. You mentioned Juszczyk might be trying to coerce him back to San Francisco. Um, or is there a certain player you think would fit them best to play nickel in 2021? The fact that they've loved Kwan Williams since they signed him for the first time. He was like their first signing for Kyle Shanahan in 2017 before free agency really even hit. And then he played well, and they've always kind of taken it upon them, or they've always taken pride in the fact that they brought him in and he played really well. And it wasn't just Robert Sala. Shanahan said so. The the whole defense, you know, they would talked about – Kwan Williams nicknamed the shark, right? And you would see how well he played sometimes uh, blitzing in from the slot, uh, kind of a lockdown guy. He didn't make a lot of interceptions, but that wasn't necessarily the job uh, in that scheme. There's a few other really good slot corners on the market. So it's not that he's, uh, he's got a little competition out there. Um, I did see the report that the Jets were, <laughs> were doing their homework on Kwan Williams. It made me bust up laughing. It's like, what do you mean they're doing their homework? Robert Sala was essentially <laughs> Sala was essentially his tutor or his professor or teacher's assistant the last four years as a defensive coordinator. They don't need to do homework on him. It's ridiculous. Um, the stuff that gets said in free agency just makes me just cringe. Just when people try to um, inflate things the way they are. So um, yeah, so that's where that's where it is now. I think I, I think it would be great that he comes back. Um, if he's he's not an every down player, he's not a superstar, he's not a Pro Bowl all pro guy. If they lost him, he's replaceable. Jamar Taylor played really well in place of him last year. Taylor's coming off an ACL, so you can't rely on him. Uh, he's a free agent too. But there's I think there's other guys that can try there, including Mosley. And Mosley, just circling back on him, you know, 
he had the breakdown in the Super Bowl covering Tyreek Hill on the third and 15. And it's not just him. It's the whole defensive scheme, right? But that was a big mess up. And then he still remains the starting cornerback going into the season because Barrett wasn't ready because I think he pulled a hammy in camp. And Mosley just gets torched by DeAndre Hopkins in the season opener. And it's like, uh-oh, the, the career is all of a sudden uh, trending way down. And I don't think he had a very good season last year where I would go into this year saying, oh, he's no doubt he's a starter. I think that there's a possibility they could try to find somebody to replace him and just move him inside or have him for depth. Um, although, you know, in, in, in Emmanuel Mosley's defense, his biggest champion was Richard Sherman. Yeah, Sherman was all in on Mosley the last couple of years on how what his potential is going to be. So if Richard Sherman is saying that, um, I do like that. And it's, and it wasn't out of any selfishness on Sherman's part. It was uh, propping up a young cornerback that he liked. So the Niners paid Mosley. They also paid Verrett. One other player that I think many didn't think in their head paying $27 million for a fullback was a good idea, but echoing the words of John Lynch, Kyle Juszczyk is integral to what the Niners have done and will continue to do in the future. Uh, what is it about Kyle Juszczyk that makes him so important to the Niners? You could pick a lot of things. And the versatility is something that they like to sell us on, but we never really, it just didn't seem like they tapped into it that much over his first four years, except towards the end of last season when they were down to their, like their fifth string running back and they finally started using him on the goal line. Um, it's everything about what Kyle can bring to the offense. He's very smart, obviously, first of all, Harvard guy. Um, the lead blocking and just knowing how to how to deke the defense, it's an art. And Shanahan's uh, system relies on those mismatches and fooling everybody with the motions. And, and Juszczyk, uh, it's kind of like the maestro out there, right, with the orchestra. He, he's able to kind of do that while the quarterback – um, takes care of his job while the receivers are in motion. And Juszczyk's kind of like the guy behind the scenes that's like pulling some strings here uh, that helps the offense go, especially uh, for an offense that relies so much uh, on, a, on a run game to complement uh, a passing game that relies on yards after the catch. And the fact that he's just a upstanding guy, uh, very well liked and, you know, if you go back to, I think, his first season, he won the Bill Walsh Award, which is kind of like the team MVP that coaches voted on. It really reflected how highly thought of uh, he is by a coaching staff that knows how to utilize him. We saw Kyle Juszczyk's postseason, uh, you know, kind of walk-off interview, if, if you could say, him crying, and you know, at least almost crying maybe, about talking about hitting free agency and maybe the opportunity of not playing in San Francisco and going elsewhere. What do you maybe you can speculate here, maybe you know, what did this deal mean for Kyle Juszczyk to come back to San Francisco where he's arguably seen his most successful run in the NFL? I think he's really excited and happy about it. You know, I think a lot of people were figured he might go to the New York Jets because of the connection there with um, the similar offense they're putting in with Michael Fleur, the fact that his offseason home is back there now, uh, family's back in that area. Uh, and the one thing that I uncovered <clears throat> during like about a month ago, kind of leading up to this was, uh, that the that the New York Jets were his childhood team, that he loved Wayne Corbett. And um, he would play Nintendo 64, and, be, and it, the Jets were his his guys. And I reached out to him. I said, you know, what, is that an extra appeal? He's like, no, not really. He's like, it, it's, it's all about other issues. And I, I think the money, the fact that he got paid uh, a rate that was very uh, 
similar to what he had before. So it wasn't as if he was taking a pay cut, but in line with what he uh, was making earlier. And, you know, it is a, what, five-year deal, but that's kind of spread out. So it's like all these deals that we're seeing in free agency, no matter the, the years, it's almost like everybody is getting two-year deals or one-year deals. And that's like, so like when you look at Verrett, just getting a one-year deal, well, that, it's almost like that's, that's really the true nature of the NFL. Everybody's expendable within two years. <laughs> and it's it's a harsh reality. And, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo signed the record contract for a quarterback three years ago, and uh, it's expendable now if they wanted to. I just I, they, they shouldn't. They're not going to. And uh, we press on with more speculation about the quarterbacks. Well, well, we'll get into that in a little bit here. I have a couple questions on Jimmy Garoppolo, but uh, while maybe people didn't think they would sign a fullback to $27 million, I don't think many of us thought they would also add a player in free agency. Uh, so let's talk about the newest 49er, Samson Ibukam. He's a former Los Angeles Ram, had a very successful 2020 season, four and a half sacks, seven QB hits, 19 total pressures. And while the stat sheet doesn't tell all, uh, what can you tell us about Samson Ibukam? I like the fact that he's the younger, cheaper, anonymous edge guy that was out there, right? Um, when you have about seven other defensive ends getting $15 million a year, and they go after a guy that was in conference that they've seen with their own eyes, um, a guy that has uh, kind of the speed and the body that should work well in the wide nine system with uh, Chris Kosarek uh, to really raise his game up, a guy that has played every single game um, of his four-year career, not necessarily as a full-time starter all the time, but a guy that has the potential to uh, skyrocket. And I think that's the deal that you look for in free agency, um, kind of the under-the-radar signing that could all of a sudden be super. And the 49ers have done a couple of those over the years. Not enough. They've, they've, they've made some really bad deals over the last few years trying to bring in the veteran to you know help establish uh, locker room, whatever, credibility and uh, guys have sometimes paid off. Most of the times they haven't, and most of the times they haven't because of injuries. So if you're getting a, a a younger edge rusher that has not missed a game, bring it on. Well, you mentioned maybe some of the bad moves the Niners have made, one of them being D. Ford. Uh, was Ibukam brought in to replace D. Ford? And you said uh, Kosarek has been able to bring the best out of the defensive linemen he has brought into San Francisco, one of them being Kerry Hyder. Uh, again, is Ibukam expected to replace D. Ford, and what does his signing mean for Kerry Hyder's future? I don't know if he. It, the thing with D. Ford is I don't think you're relying on him to come back. I mean, it's kind of like the uh, the long. It sounded like the way they restructured the contract was knowing uh, they he had such a big injury guarantee. This this takes off some of that liability. Um, if he can make the comeback, terrific. Um, what this means for Kerry Hyder is the market is losing defensive ends out there that are getting the big money. Um, that we all anticipated he'd kind of be in the next wave. And for a guy that wanted to strike it rich, uh, he's probably going to have to settle for the one- or two-year deal. And that could bring him back to the 49ers, and that could work out well for a team that needs that depth on defensive end. One final question, and I'll, and I'll let you go here, Cam. Uh, you mentioned Jimmy Garoppolo. We've heard all the rumors all offseason about him possibly being gone in 2021, being traded to New England or Houston in a Deshaun Watson deal. We've heard the Niners have, quote-unquote, strong interest in Andy Dalton. Uh, as of this moment, where do we stand on Jimmy Garoppolo's tenure in San Francisco? I think the bigger question is next year. Uh, I think I, I think he, obviously, I th I've been on record saying I think he's back 2021. 
2022 is be a lot more fascinating. If he's injured uh, again in 2021, whether it's his fault or not, um, that is going to be another blow to his reputation. Um, and there's going to be a lot more enticing veteran quarterbacks on the market next year. You know, if uh, Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers and Kirk Cousins and Matt Ryan um, are all more expendable next year than they are now because of a salary cap standpoint, it could be fascinating. This this year is more child's play with all the speculation. Next year, it could really ramp up. Well, Cam, thank you for joining us today. I want to tell everybody out there, you can follow Cam on Twitter at Cam Inman. Be sure to check out his amazing work at the San Jose Mercury News. You can also hear him on 95.7 The Game as their official Niner Insider. Cam, thank you for joining us today, and we hope to do this again soon. Hey, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Take care. Well, Cam was fantastic, and I want to talk about one other move the Niners did make, I guess, in a sense, didn't make, that being uh, bringing back Kendrick Bourne. Kendrick Bourne signed a three-year deal with the New England Patriots. I'm, I'm sure Cam would have answered this question wonderfully because I know, like many of you are out there and like many of the Niner roster out there has said, that they're, they're sad Kendrick Bourne's not coming back, and I am I'm sad Kendrick Bourne's not coming back. I will miss his energy. I will miss the attitude he brings to the Niners, I will miss uh, the smile and the dancing, and and first and foremost, I'll miss his wonderful play. Uh, I think there was a stat out there yesterday: a hundred of his receptions were for first downs or touchdowns. Like we, we we may overlook Kendrick Bourne as a player who's a third receiver, but how important he's been over the last few years for San Francisco cannot be understated. I wish him nothing but the best in New England. Bill Belichick, take care of our boy KB, and and I really hope. Uh, for the best for him and hopefully we see him soon on the field and hopefully uh, we see him holding an AFC East championship soon because he's someone that ultimately deserves it Uh, but with that said as the NFL free agency frenzy continues don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Twitter Instagram is at 49ers.access Twitter is at 49ers underscore access for the latest 49ers news free agency updates you are not going to want to miss a thing don't forget to like share subscribe leave a review my name is sterling bennett this has been the 49ers access podcast and until next time stay faithful